1: Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show as we head into Hour 3. Well, it was about three weeks ago that our in-studio guest, John Shattuck, said on air that sometimes, in a moment of self-confession, he said sometimes he's been accused of getting angry. John is angry! (laughs) What are you angry about today? What ails you?
2: (laughs) What ails me is my fear for the country and for where it is headed and for uh, the fact that there seems to be no hope, you can argue, and, and no light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, we just don't, we seem to be whistling past the signs of the nation's demise and, and we seem to have set no standards. Uh, the standard is uh, whatever is happening is okay. So if we have government officials who are paid by government salaries exacted from the populace through taxes, who use the power of government to lie uh, or to achieve their personal result, what they want, even if it's not at all popular with uh, the people or, or, or a majority of the people or even a significant fraction of the people, if we allow them to just do whatever they will, uh, that will destroy the country. A- a- and to me, uh, the report that came out yesterday is a shocking example of that.
1: John, um, this has kind of been a theme of mine for a couple few weeks, and I have a couple friends who tell me I need to, you know, kind of look at the bright side of life here, but. I'm just coming to this point that I don't know if anything matters anymore. I don't know if facts matter to people. I don't know if truth matters. We live in a world or an atmosphere saturated by lies that we all just kind of go along with. And, you know, we uh, every single piece of news that came out over the last two weeks about either the Biden administration or Democratic operatives within the national intelligence apparatus, is a bigger scandal than Watergate. Every one of them is. And Watergate, of course, is the template after which we name scandals. And And we're just going to move on. Richard Blumenthal, senator from Connecticut, said yesterday after seeing the Durham report, he said, by Friday, we probably won't even remember Durham's name. It's the first time I ever agreed with him. He's right. We will move on, and Durham's name will no longer be uttered. Now, I guess he will be in Congress next week for a day, so maybe we'll get another day of it. But we live where lying isn't special anymore. So, it's the default mode of public debate.
2: So I'm a, an ex-politician and a guy who believes deeply in keep it simple mm-hmm. so people can understand sure. it. When I was a kid growing up, What we learned was that in communist Russia, uh, or within socialism, uh, whatever uh, happens, if the end justified the means, then it was okay. Right. So the standard that communism set, or socialism set, or advocates of communism or socialism believed in was, if whatever the end they are seeking uh, is in their view, good, then whatever you have to do to do it is fine. By any means necessary is the old Che
1: Guevara, Malcolm X line. So
2: if you lie, but you lie for a good reason, well, that's okay. If you kill somebody, you know, if you lynch a person, Mm -hmm. but you think that lynching is for a good reason, Mm -hmm. well, then it's okay to lynch. And the standard we have set in America today, as revealed in the Durham report, is that If certain government officials in the most supposedly most highly respected law enforcement agency in the world lie for a reason, cheat for a reason, make up uh, uh, facts that aren't true, uh, mislead judges, uh, mislead the people, if they do that for a reason that they believe is good, defeating a candidate they don't like then it's okay and that's the standard and 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 to me uh Durham wrote a report and I haven't read the whole thing but I think every one of your listeners should read the whole thing cuz we're the people that inform other people we need to get it it's 300 pages you can afford to buy, to print 300 pages on your printer we need to get it and we need to read it but he wrote it like an academic paper oh some people say struck did this which was a lie and was using government resources to uh, deceive the people. uh, And he was doing it to defeat Donald Trump. So that's what happened. It wasn't an academic paper. He uh, the way I articulated it a minute ago was he either forgot the premise. Durham. Durham, either in the writing of the report and in the preparing of the report, he either forgot the premise. If in a democracy, people in-government lie and deceive the public and cover up wrongdoing and cover up illegality and cover up uh, deceit, um, that's a serious threat to the democracy and it will not survive. Or he forgot the conclusion because he, what it appears like is he simply in a cold academic paper fashion recites what happened? And I think he's so academic that you hear some of the words from the report and, and he has to put in 18 qualifier, qualifiers for every point he makes. So he says, well, they could have if they'd been aggressive, if they've thought a little harder, if they would dug a little deeper, uh, they might have seen that this might have been the use of government resources But you'd have to look carefully and yes, he was a government agent and yes, government agents aren't supposed to lie to the people and they aren't supposed to engage in politics because we all know that government employees can't engage in politics. So, mm, you know, Strzok maybe did something wrong. That's just Absurdly academic and weak And the nation will suffer because of it This is shocking conduct And and, and on TV People got on TV yesterday and said That the investigation Now done by my friend Jim Jordan Into whether the government is being Weaponized um, Is producing nothing The government is so weaponized Against freedom And against conservatives And against Republicans and against anybody who ever voted for Biden, even if they're not thrilled with Biden, they're still characterized as evil. The government is being used to destroy a subset or, interestingly, demonize a subset of Americans because those government employees don't like the views of those Americans. So what are we going to do? We will demonize them. We will call them racist. Uh, the speech President Biden just gave to the graduating class. Um, he says. Uh, this is the general, Howard University. At speech. Howard University. Awful. Awful. Just awful. Well, remember, this is the guy who said before, I believe, the NAACP, if Republicans. He didn't say if some Republicans. If he said if some sick Republicans. He said if Republicans in general, meaning collectively, all Republicans in the nation, had their way, they would put you, black people, back in chains. You've heard me talk about the, the identity politics. This is dividing the nation against itself in a way that I can't imagine in my lifetime. Uh, I think during the Civil War, uh, it was clearly understood a nation divided against itself cannot stand, or maybe a house divided against itself cannot stand, and— and the goal of his rhetoric and the goal of identity politics is to divide us against ourselves. We are no longer one nation united. We are we've got to get we, we've got to demonize some of the people. And, and, and in that speech, he says, there are those who demonize and pit People against one another. Now, this is Joe Biden, and I am reading you a direct quote. There are those who demonize and pit people against one another. I know of no president in American history who has spent more time pitting people against each other and demonizing them than Joe Biden. And he gets away with it, and nobody criticizes him. He stood in front of what was it? Uh, Constitutional Hall and said and demonized every MAGA Republican. Uh, um, he has he spends 24 hours a day demonizing some Americans against other Americans. And yet he is attacking others and saying there are other people that do this. Yes, he and is. The,
1: he, he is does. the arsonist standing over the burnt ashes, complaining about fire. Uh, Joe Biden um is the man who called the Republican Party the party of Bull Connor, the party of Jefferson Davis, and the party of George Wallace. All Democrats, by the way. But even bringing up those... Let me take a quick commercial break with you, John, and we'll be right back. John Shattuck is our guest, former congressman, head of Shattuck and Associates. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Congressman Shattuck, John Shattuck is my guest, formerly uh, representing Arizona's Old District 4 in uh, in U.S. House of Representatives for 16 years. Uh, John, we have seen uh, a lot of heated rhetoric in politics, but you are quite right, and you're putting your finger on something Um, a lot of us have been trying to explain for several years now, that just because Joe Biden is the first to get to the microphone to complain about division in America doesn't mean that he isn't the cause of division in America when he's on other microphones. This is the man who cannot talk about the Republican Party without using the word extremist or white supremacist. This is the man who as I said had done a probably the greatest revision of history uh, accomplished to date in calling the Republican Party the party of Bull Connor, Jefferson Davis, and George Wallace. This is the man, quite right, in running for re-election as vice president, told a black audience the Republican Party, led by Mitt Romney, uh, wants to put them back in chains. This is the kind of rhetoric that has created these kinds of not just divisions, John— But I think an intended consequence of shutting people up, of people being shy about expressing conservative or Republican um, policies or political preferences or choices, and, and, and that's what it's kind of been used for. It's been used sort of as a chilling effect so that people are intimidated before they even speak. And they're a little bit shy to say, oh, well, I'm a Republican because he is setting this tenor and temperament that to be a Republican is to be an extremist outside the mainstream of responsible political dialogue rhetoric and choice. You combine that with what you were saying was this uh, self-appointed attitude of the FBI, or we can look at it with the 51 intelligence officials, too, on the Hunter Biden laptop story. These um, self-appointed ministers. Uh, of government who are in law enforcement and intelligence who think they know better and they will get away with doing whatever they want by any means necessary, as you were pointing out, John, because the ultimate goal is the ultimate goal is a righteous one. They've become a law unto themselves in so doing, by the way, and they have violated really the first principle of constitutional government articulated by John Adams that we are a government of laws, not of men. And they have proven to us that It's okay to be a government of men if we don't like the laws that the other side is going to try and pass. And this will not matter. That's the problem. It will not matter. There will be no consequence. The people who are responsible for these things, they get well-paying gigs on CNN. They get well-paying gigs on MSNBC. They get big speakers' bureaus' fees for talking and counseling and advising by the way, as consultants, the the, the current government of the United States—they're still advising them. They're still making money. They still have their security clearances, and they're walking scot free. So they then look and wonder why Americans who might be of a conservative bent or tilt are agitated. They wonder why we, you know, think that we are powerless. Because they have rendered us this way. They have rendered us this way, John. They have made us feel powerless because we watch what is taking place with no accountability whatsoever.
2: I watch the media and I think about how much it's changed. And I think about the future of the nation. And in a democracy, if you ascribe to certain principles, uh, telling the truth, the rule of law, Mm -hmm. equal treatment under the law Mm – If the media adopt the standard that anything that advances what they want, Mm -hmm. we'll say socialism, we'll say communism, we'll say Marxism, we'll say big, powerful government run by people that are smart taking care of those of us that are not so smart. If the media don't, in an unbiased and balanced and fair fashion, report what's happening, then you can't expect the people to correct what is wrong. Uh, If the media deceive the public by not telling them when government officials like Mr. Strzok uh, misuse their power and lie or cheat or present false information to a FISA court, if the people don't know that is happening, then you can't expect the people to fix it. I, I looked up when I was thinking about all of this, the word demonize. Uh, the word demonize, at least in the dictionary I'm looking at, says portray as wicked and threatening. A demon, yeah. There, to make someone a demon. yeah. There was a time in America when we vigorously disagreed about things, but we didn't deem it necessary to portray the person we disagreed with as wicked and threatening. I would argue that Joe Biden, in the Red Wall speech in front of Constitutional Hall, um, chose to demonize huge, huge chunks of society, tens of thousands of people, millions of people. What he said was uh, essentially, all MAGA Republicans are wicked and threatening. He didn't say some MAGA Republicans. He said all MAGA Republicans are wic- wicked and threatening because he demonized them. He talked about them being evil. Uh, if we allow demonization to become the tool acceptable in public debate rather than respect and tolerance and intellectual examination, wonder if that other argument is valid or has some credibility to it. There, there's no hope for the nation. And for this guy to turn around in the speech to the graduates and say there are those, he doesn't mean him. There are those. He means his enemies, Republicans, conservatives, MAGA s- supporters who demonize, demonize and pit people against one another. No pres- I, I defy anyone in your audience or anyone in this country to sh- point me to a president of this country who is – demonized more people or engaged in demonizing people more often than Joe Biden. And we just accept it. He's a likable old guy.
1: There's an element I want to stay with that you brought up with regard to the media. Uh, And if one looks up the origins of that word, the root of the word media, it's medium, intermediary. It's between the people and the government really is what it is. It's the intermediary between the people and the government. And they are, of course, protected under the First Amendment, as James Madison said, to be a bulwark of freedom because they are going to hold the government accountable on behalf of the people. That's why they're protected in the First Amendment, uh, to get the truth to the people about the government, not to be the spokesman for the government. Um, Journalists used to be trained. At least used to be trained in journalism school to be skeptical of the government and to blow the whistle on them. They were part and parcel of allowing Americans to decide who to vote for based on reporting on the government, the government's truth.
2: To be skeptical of not just the government, but of all powerful
1: Oh people. Yes, all institutions. Yeah. That would include powerful. corporations. Let me, let me pick up on that when we come back. There's the music. We'll come right back on the other side of the media's responsibility here as well. John Shattuck is my guest. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Representative John Shattig is my in-studio guest. Uh, He was making the point during the commercial break to me that the government is powerful. It may at this point be a question as to whether the media may be even more powerful, as you were saying, John. You think about how they can sway an election, and they did. Um, They did so uh, by taking the word of 51 intelligence officials that uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story was – was a Russian uh, disinformation campaign uh, because some people in the national security apparatus who had no business maintaining their national security credentials, as we have now the proof, uh, decided to give Joe Biden an assist by using those credentials to label the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation. And the media swallowed it They swallowed it hooks, line and sinker so much so that if you were a member of the media that was skeptical of that story, i.e. the New York Post, they were going to aid and abet the censoring of the New York Post. They social media aided and abetted the censoring of that story being passed between friends. And there are exit polls now that have shown that Biden voters, enough Biden voters, more than enough Biden voters who would have known of that story would not have voted for Joe Biden in swing states. That would have changed the election. The media, not the government, changed the election. There wasn't Russian collusion with Donald Trump. There was media Democratic Party collusion with with the Democratic Party. That's what
2: there was. Absolutely. And um, one of the rules of persuasion uh, that I learned kind of growing up is it's often best to understate your case initially. And then when uh, the other side, whoever they are, reacts, you can release even more damning evidence or or make the stronger arguments you've held in reserve. In this case, um, I, I, I kind of think that's a very, very, very good rule. And I think in your phrasing of it, you said, well, the media – Um, accepted or swallowed Mm -hmm. the arguments that uh, the laptop was Russian collusion whole and I think that's being very polite and (laughs) understating the case when what we all know is they didn't understate the case they knew the case was a uh, a, a, a windfall for them they knew that ah we the, the this bla- this laptop has the potential to damage the guy we want yeah. to get elected, right. and thank goodness we're being scooped or or fed this letter by these uh former um uh officials intelligence officials uh making a claim uh, that we can use to discredit the laptop even. Though we know, or at least any of us who have asked the FBI, and you don't have to ask, the FBI had had the laptop for over a year. Uh, So they weren't – it wasn't that they suspended their skepticism. It was that they were thrilled to have what appeared to be a bona fide argument against – uh, the possibility that the laptop was in fact Hunter Biden's and that the shocking things it contained were true because those could have defeated. And as you've pointed out, the pulling down data now shows if the people of America had known they would have defeated Joe Biden.
1: There's another added element to this, too, John Shattuck. And that element is. The self moral self righteousness and preening strutting of the media themselves in their campaign against the individuals in their campaign against conservative talk radio or conservative social media, because what they will say, what they have said for years and what they continue to say is you can't believe any of that stuff. And the reason you can't believe any of that stuff, conservative talk radio, conservative social media, you name it, because you can't be- – and the reason you can't believe any of that stuff is they're, they're not credible, they don't have editors, they don't have investigative and journalistic training, they didn't go to the Medill School or the Missouri School or the Columbia School of Journalism, they weren't Brought up with the understanding of how to do proper research and vetting. And it turns out, as Elon Musk pointed out in an interview, I think, yesterday on CNBC, turns out the kinds of stuff they said that about on our side was more true than the kinds of stuff they were printing with all those degrees and all those levels of scrutiny and all those and all those editors. All they do is strut. And preen with their credentials and lord them over us like the 51 security officials who said they knew better. We must trust them to suppress any kind of conservative speech or conservative thought, which happens to be true.
2: It goes one beyond that. Yes, it's it's yes, it's true that they didn't have any of the training that they claimed the conservatives had. But the second thing they said was, and oh, by way, by the way, they're extremists. Yeah.
1: Hold that. Hold that. Yes. Yes. That's the Uh, wedding. That's important. Let me pick up on that with you on the other side of this break. Congressman John Shattuck has been my in-studio guest, privileged to have him. Let me pick up on that very point you were just making, John. Not only does the media lord their credentials over us, but they do so with an additional dollop of criticism, which is to say, and by the way, those conservatives are extremists. And they do so, John, they do so um, on the payroll of companies that literally advocate marxism calling us extremists
2: take it from there it's just absolutely stunning so uh, so they say those on the right who are uh, passionately in support of freedom and passionately opposed to slavery mm-hmm. or government control are extremists mm-hmm. and yet if you examine them carefully they, in fact, are more extreme in their uh, dislike, some might say their hatred of freedom, mm-hmm. uh, and in their admiration for or love for uh, Marxism or government control or control by the elite than the conservatives are.
1: Cartoon Network does does promotions of Black Lives Matter's educational curriculum, does the promotion of Karl Marx. Teen Vogue celebrates Karl Marx's birthday every year. The New York Times has editorials. Karl Marx wasn't so bad. Vladimir Lenin wasn't so bad, was an op-ed in the New York Times. And they're telling us we're extreme. Yeah, They're telling us we're extreme. Warner Brothers, which owns the Cartoon Network. The thing about that extremist label is, John – Is They've been fishing around for a while trying to find the right epithet to hang on us because they have so overused words that we used to think of as strong words because they were to be rarely used in critical instances. Calling someone a racist used to be a pretty rare thing. Calling someone an extremist used to be a pretty rare thing. Calling someone any kind of epithet had... A Nazi or a fascist it used to be a pretty rare thing reserved for the critically important matters and in critically important racists and Nazis like your David Dukes or your Louis Farrakhan's. They have so syntactically saturated the entire warp and woof of the Republican Party with those words. We can't take it seriously anymore. They've diminished the value of these words. And so now they have settled on the newest one, white supremacist. Um, exactly. and, 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 and that one has a special noxiousness to it. But I will predict thank, – thank the Democratic Party for this within about another year or so, white supremacist isn't going to mean anything to anyone anymore either because it has been so casually tossed around and used to just describe someone I don't happen to agree with.
2: Well, and, and, and then they associate it with other words that they have uh, demonized uh, or, or, or that have their own very negative commenta- connotation. And, and for example, in the speech... Uh, to the graduating class, uh, Biden said, white supremacy is the quote, most dangerous terrorist threat. W- w- well, now, we, I agree, terrorism is terrible, but terrorism means the use of the most extreme way to do something bad. Mm-hmm. White supremacy is evil in and of itself but what is a white supremacy terrorist and how do we associate those the point was he had to add terrorist just to make it more bad to make it worse oh with these uh and why, and who is he talking about? By the way, who is where he is talking it? About? Where, where is
1: the institutional white supremacy? Where is the where is the recognized or credible organization that is inflicting uh, what was it white supremacist terrorism white, on America? Where is, the, is it?
2: Where is the white terrorist? Yeah, yeah where uh, is the white it? supremacy terrorist yeah. organization operating yeah. underground? Yeah, where is in it? the United States came here from someplace place else?
1: I think exploiting people's fears, exploiting people's worst fears. Is a political crime, John, or it should be, and not, not one you can arrest anyone for. But it, it, it's a political crime because you are turning people not only into cynics, but you're turning them into haters, and you're turning them into people who are going to become ex- extremists themselves. By the way, when you're talking to a crowd, a captive audience of black graduates, black uh, black uh, college students, as he was here at Howard University. Is that really the greatest threat to the black community right now? Really? Is yeah. that really the greatest threat to the – 9,000 blacks a year are killed by other blacks, but white supremacy is the issue?
2: It uh, leaves one speechless. It does leave one <laughs> – left me speechless. Uh, they had
1: a hearing. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, they had a hearing uh, yesterday at the um, – uh, one of the House oversight committees, and it was on the threat of uh, white supremacy – and uh, God bless uh, a journalist who happens uh, to work for Town Hall, a uh, journalist who works for Town Hall, which is owned by Salem. He, he, he spent time with Antifa. He spent time with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, and he testified. He was asked – he's a resident of D.C. – and he testified um, when he was asked um, how serious a threat white supremacy is in his life, he happens to be a Hispanic and Amer- uh, Hispanic American, and he said, I live in D.C. Uh, when I get on the uh, subway, when I get on subway, take a cab or come here to Congress to testify, I can tell you the last thing I feel threatened by is actually white supremacy. The last thing I feel threatened by, he said, in Washington, D.C.
2: I think you made this point a couple of weeks ago when we were talking, and— I think it's a very valid point that needs to be repeated frequently, and that is for Mr. Biden to claim that racism is vastly worse, uh, much more present, much more prevalent, much more uh, a part of everyday life in America than it was 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years ago is – It is completely, totally wrong. White supremacism is evil. It's bad. We ought to get rid of it completely, totally, and absolutely. But to imply we haven't made any progress and that it's worse now is to deceive people. And he says in the speech, he says, uh, he talks about hate. And he says hate is bad because it never goes away. Well, he's sowing. Yeah. Hate.
1: Yeah. That's right. He's planting the seeds of the trees that, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, John Shattuck, it's a delight to see you as always. Thanks for coming in. I'm yeah, Seth Leaps yeah. and I'll be back with a couple closing thoughts. Well, with everything else we were talking about, think about the economy, too. Stock market volatility, inflation, possible recession, bank failures. Why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to any of that. Not the stock market, not the Federal Reserve. It's an investment with no fees. Secure, collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it whatever you like, with no loss of principal. If you do need your money back at any time, Y Refi is based here locally. I encourage you to stop by their offices, Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there, and I can tell you, you won't get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign a thing. When you meet with the team there at Y Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can too. A due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 1.25% 1.25% fixed rate of return. Just check them out online if you don't want to visit their offices. InvestYRefi.com. That's Invest the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 888 refi 34 888 refi 34 Thomas Jefferson, in his uh, first inaugural address, 1801, said. Uh, Every difference, not every difference of uh, opinion is a difference of, pr- of principle. We are all Federalists. We are all Republicans, meaning we're all Americans. Those are the two main parties at the time. Every difference of opinion is not a difference of principle. That's the way we used to think, it's the way we used to campaign, that's the way we, we kind of used to talk. Joe Biden even got elected in part by exploiting that very theme. The very theme that Americans shouldn't be enemies with one another. Americans should of opposite parties shouldn't think of themselves in those opposite parties as enemies of one another, but rather political opponents. Well, he's violated that very serious theme that he campaigned on. He's ver- violated that very principle that Thomas Jefferson laid out. So too has the media. They have turned our legitimate differences of opinion into something like a difference of principle when they libel and label us as extremists, as white supremacists, for having opinions no different than Ronald Reagan, for having opinions no different than the kinds of opinions the Republican Party or conservatives have stood for for at least 150 years. This is something very new. And when they then complain about divisiveness in America, when they complain about the divisions in the America, in America, they are the ones that caused them. They are the ones that have created them. And they are the ones that are creating the very whirlwind they keep warning us about. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. You're not looking at firefighters. You're looking at Arsonists. when you look at the Democratic Party in the media. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. David, thank you. I am Seth Leibson, and class is dismissed.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. (laughs)